Welcome back, everybody. And we're off. I thought you were going to say it this time. Dang it. I like to keep you guessing. Instead, we just like played an immense game of first to blink stare game. First to blink. <laughs> That's like uh, Morgan Rogers calls me for blink. For blink. Right yeah. when I said that, I was like, I had it deja vu like with it. that. It did. Yeah. Uh, hey, everybody. Summer is underway, I feel like. I don't think it's officially summer yet. Might be by the time this comes out. I don't know what the first day of summer is. Uh, neither do I. But it feels like it's just everything's ramping up. It's yeah. like we're going in, we're going into the long weekend. School's almost done. The kids are acting like it's done. So I had two kindergarten continuations this morning. So what is that? I, what, did, what does it's that like mean? It's like a graduation for kindergartners, oh, okay. but they call it continuation. But so it's, classical. Is that classical or Catholic? Why not just kindergarten uh, graduation, that, man? Actually. Who? I think a lot of people do that. No way. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, right. I don't, okay. That's a classical thing. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think you're out of your mind here. So where, when does it move from continuate? Like what happens at eighth grade? Is it eighth grade continuation? No, that, that they call a graduation. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? I can't keep up with all Teachers. this. I can't keep up with hey, all this. Greg Rogers would say, hey, teacher. Leave those kids alone. That's right. Do you know that reference? Shout out Greg Rogers. Uh, no. That's a Pink Floyd song. Mm, definitely would have not uh, got it's that. It's called The Wall, I think. Interesting. All in all, I, I won't sing it. You're just another brick in the wall. Shh. I But but I was at, <clears throat> and some of you parents I know listen to this, uh, kindergarten continuation this morning. Talk about something that'll melt your heart. I would. I was just oh, going to ask you. my gosh. Yeah. It just, I'm not even like, the, I mean, I'm a spiritual father, I hope. But I'm not a biological dad. And my heart's just, I'm like in the corner, like, yeah, no, no, I just got a little something in my eyes. Yeah, teared just, up. You know, it's just so, <laughs> it's just so beautiful. But the kids, one of the cool things that we do do, this is a classical thing, is uh, they give out, so we give out awards for the kindergartners. But what they give out is they give out virtue awards. Interesting. Yep. And so it's not. Does everyone get one? We we do that for kindergarten, not for the rest of the school, but for participation awards. But then they do <clears throat> stop it. <laughs> this is like the uh, what do you call it? The Incredibles. Okay. I always think of that one. Um, Dash. They tell him he can't run because it's right. not fair. In track. And he says, "But mom, my dad always says our powers are special." And the mom says, "Do you remember what the mom says?" No, I, I remember this scene. Yeah, but no. The, the mom says, "Everyone's special, Dash." And he goes, which means no one is. Totally, totally. <laughs> which is kind of true. I mean, you got yeah. there. There is something about uh, kind of the the relinquishing of competition that's not healthy. But anyway, but for kindergartners, come on, have a heart. That's right. It was it was super powerful, and the kids are so excited. They were just so happy and so cute. It was beautiful. A couple of the <clears throat> parents they were like, "FB, my my kid doesn't even want to have summer break." They think they're going to first grade on Monday. That's funny. Yeah. So it's it pretty they're cool. They're stoked. That's awesome. Um, Non-participation award goes to me. Okay. I was telling you this earlier, but I was, we're decorating Gianna's room. Yes. And this is my shout out for Greg Rogers because I need him on damage control. Yep. We had to, we had a dresser arrive last night. We had the blackout shades. All this stuff. And I'm now at the point of like, it's not a pride thing. Actually, mm -hmm. last night it was. Uh, I'm at the point where I'm like, I just, I know Greg needs to be here to help me do all this stuff because he's like such a perfectionist and so good at it. But I was like, come on, how hard could it be to hang a rod with curtains? <sighs> and now I think earlier I said four. It's actually, we have six holes drilled <laughs> drilled into the wall not Step, five but six six i no i i completely tried to hang it and steph walked in and was like uh that's pretty crooked and i got super mad i was like what and like totally lost it so i tried to lower it and then it just got even worse and so now <sighs> that was not one of my virtues is the patience of anything that i have to like install has not it's just not me. The dresser last night took me three and a half hours and I was pretty flustered the hey, entire this is how you three get good hours. At it. at it, I hope. Yeah. But it doesn't get more enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> it only gets we worse. Do, 
We do, we should make our engaged couples do that as part of their marriage prep. We should buy like some cheap totally. IKEA kind of things. Oh, that'd be a great my, exercise. Like seriously? on a marriage retreat, everyone gets a dresser, and whoever fights the least <laughs> in putting their dresser together wins. Gets gets the award. Yeah. It should be the part like on the focus exam. It's like, how do you guys communicate? Oh, we we're really good. We're really peaceful. Okay, great. Now build <laughs> this and like that. actually see. Yeah. yeah, I know. That's what Steph and I did too. Like, oh, we're good. We got this covered. Last night, we would have for sure failed the focus exam. Yeah, people, I'm getting better at, at doing focus. So if you know what focus is, not the fellowship of Catholic university students, we don't mean that focus. Uh, we're talking about the, um, I don't even know what it stands for, but it's, it's a, a inventory for engaged couples that we do in marriage prep. And uh, the priest and then some mentor couples work through the questionnaire with couples and it helps facilitate conversation and growth in their relationship. Yeah. And when you say inventory, it's, it's like a giant questionnaire. I think it's like 120 questions that both Steph and yeah, I, that's about right. she takes one and I, t- we both take the same test. Right. But then they have like, it's like the classic personality ones. Like, are you a good person? And then like three questions later, it's like, do you get mad at this? It's like the same question, but phrased differently. Yeah, and it like, is going to decipher through the, what's true and what yeah. like, you know, but I do, I do want to give a shout out, uh, thinking of focus. So there's a, a couple, I <clears throat> just did a focus kind of review with Jordan and Katie. And I just really enjoyed my time with them. That's awesome. They're great. Jordan's not Catholic. Um, come on, Jordan. I know. I so saw he's, they probably don't <sighs> listen to the podcast, but now we can just give them an excuse. And now they have to listen. That's right. But Jordan's great. I, I appreciated his honesty and he was <clears throat> sometimes people, they're just walls. They're not going to talk to you. And he didn't have those. And I was really grateful for that. So we had a, we had a great talk and his fiance, Katie, uh, she's been great in this process. And we've had, just had a couple of great conversations. That's awesome. So, yeah, the, it is pretty cool. I think a lot of people are caught off guard in marriage prep of like, oh yeah, we're getting married next month. Can we come in and meet with father Brian and then, you know, get our life started. And it's, it's actually a pretty, you know, it's a, what, eight months, the recommended you can go maybe a little faster, but by the time you do the focus exam and NFP and kind of like get all, everything aligned, but it, it's actually really good. Like at first I was kind of taken aback, like what? I thought this was round two of RCIA of like a million things. Yeah. But then <clears throat> because of that focus exam, I think it pushed Steph and I to have a lot of questions that you know, you're just kind of like, oh, we'll figure that out when we get there. Like, that's yeah. not going to be for another 10, 15 years. But to like actually start diving into that now, again, it did not prepare us for the dresser I had to do last night, but I think it, I think it did help with a lot of the questions. Um, so <clears throat> one thing I want to mention, and then we should jump to our topic today. Today we're going to talk about education yes. and talk a little bit about classical education not just continuation from kindergarten. Yep. But I do want to mention with that in mind, with the focus inventory, uh, <clears throat> this summer, if you're in Denver, we've got a great lineup of speakers for gathering at the grotto. Right. And so we're going to be focusing on marriage and family life uh, here at Lords. And our first speaker this summer is Chris and Natalie Stefanik. Boom. Bam. Out the gates hot. They're kind of losers. They but, are, uh, but they're my favorite, but they're my favorite losers. So I love them. We do love them, but they're, they're going to talk a little bit about the Catholic dating scene. Amen. Um, and even if you're married, we encourage you to come out. It's going to be a fun night regardless, but I think it'll be apl- applicable to, to marriage in some ways as well. But the, the Catholic dating scenes, it's just a tough thing. It's tough. We know it was tough was fortunately Chris and Natalie said yes. And and we're blessed here. We had, we had a quite a few couples we could look at and reach out to, but on the whole outside of our like inner circle here, um, if you're trying to find a, like a well-known speaker that on the Catholic dating scene, it doesn't necessarily exist. It was kind of hard to like well, I think nationally gets, where you go. I think so much of it depends on who your audience is. That's right. So I think, I think most talks about Catholic dating, they, they're kind of like they're, they assume an audience that's really not super strong in their faith. Yep. 
and that's fine. That's a good talk out there. And so most, most dating talks in the Catholic world, in my experience are ladies, you're so beautiful. Be confident in who you are. And then they take the guys in a separate room and they're like, guys, why are you so bad? Yeah. And stop. <laughs> There's a couple of things I'm not going to say on a podcast. <laughs> totally. Yeah. But they're kind of like, stop doing X, knock it off. Um, and we, there was a joke about that. Like when I was in college, the, the girls all come back from their like breakout sessions and the girls are like, we're so beautiful. <laughs> like, yeah. We're we so love loved. And we, just, we just need to realize how beautiful we are. And the guys all walk out like, man, we really are bad. <laughs> like, totally. like we are the worst people ever. And you know what? Honestly, it's probably kind of true. I yeah. don't know. Um, but that, that's going to be great. So check that out this summer. Um, and well, one time I do think we need to talk a little bit about thoughts on Catholic dating and I would maybe love just it. in general, especially, but, I mean, it was definitely yeah. awkward for Steph and myself. I mean, Steph and I met on a dating app and so then coming around the Catholic community, do you want to say which one? Yeah. Hinge hinge. So in case anyone knows anyone over there, we'll, I'll take a paid sponsorship. Um, cause we obviously it worked. Um, but it was always like the awkward thing of like, how'd you guys meet? And like one of us would be like at a bar in Denver and the other one would be like on a dating app. And we always bounce back and forth because it's kind of hard to own. Like, but it shouldn't be. I hear it, it all the shouldn't time be. now. Right. We're, oh, we definitely, again, we rock it now, but it definitely is a, you kind of got to get used to saying it out loud. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other thing I was going to say about that though is the, <clears throat> I think there's just extremes in the dating world. Yeah. So I think a lot of dating talks are geared towards here's people who have really bad habits, who aren't pursuing chastity, who don't really know how to be like selfless. But sometimes in the Catholic world, I'm, I might be off. I've been, I haven't been on a date in, you know, uh, how like 17, more than 17 years. Yeah. In over 18 years, actually. And so I might have a skewed, you know, perception of this, but I think in the Catholic world, it goes to the other extreme. And it just becomes like we overthink everything, you know? And they're like, you're like, who's your favorite saint? And they're like, right. Oh, blessed Gior, pure Giorgio Frasati. And they're like, we can't be together. Totally. You know? <laughs> so, I'm like, and it's like, come on people. Like yeah. go on a date, like go, go on a date. And like, I know, I know people who are like, Oh, I don't think I could ever give my boyfriend a, a little peck on the, on the cheek. Cause that would be on chase. And I'm like, seriously. Yeah. Like, yeah. Come it's- on people. <laughs> Like every virtue, there's two vices. There's a vice on one side where it's like, you're pushing things physically way too far. There's a vice on the other side. That's, that's like, you're a prude and yeah. you know, don't you love it when the priest is the one saying that? I love it. The I priest want to be like, come on, people it's, start kissing. It's not our topic. I feel like it should be, we, we have to circle back on this. Cause I want to push on that. Um, there's so many, <laughs> so many ways to go with that. Um, then we also have the Messy Family coming. We got the Messy Family project in July. July. Then in August we're gonna have Scott and Annie Powell. Scott, who's a great friend of mine. Um, we don't see each other as much as we used to, but he's he's just a, him and his wife Annie are just phenomenal. They are the founders of Camp Voitiwa, which do you know that's John Paul II's name before he's Pope? I've always wondered, and I don't even know how you say the camp. I don't know Voitiwa. Yeah, that one. Just feel it. It's tough. Feel it in your lips. Voitiwa. It was like a gala <laughs> item. And I was like, what is this camp? Woji Joti? Yeah. Voitiwa says so Polish. So <laughs> Carol Voitiwa was John Paul II's birth name. Oh, uh, what what was the first name? Carol with a K, K-A-R-O-L. That's common in Poland. Interesting. Yeah, don't give, don't give me that look. Don't, don't diss JP2. No, yeah, I was going to say, not don't on this podcast, man. but I'm sorry. This yeah, is news JP2. to me. What? Yeah. No, Carol Voitiwa. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, uh, so they're going to speak and... They've got a great family story and they work a lot with kids and helping kids encounter God. Uh, Scott works at the uh, Newman Center in Boulder at St. Thomas Aquinas. Yeah. And he's got a doctorate in scripture. Just just a great couple. And Annie is just like amazing. She has a background in uh, camp counseling kind of things. And she basically put together Camp Boy Tour from scratch. And it's been a huge success. And then our last one is going to be... Dr. Leonard Sachs. Which I'm just so I'm excited about every one of them, but I absolutely loved his. Uh, he wrote a book, The Collapse of Parenting. Yeah, and then he also has another one. He has a few out there, but another one I want to read is Why Gender Matters. Yep. and we're flying him in from Pennsylvania, and he's going to do an all day training with the teachers, and then uh, give a talk September sixteenth. Awesome! I know I'm so excited. So you can check out if you want more info, lordsdenver.org. If you go to our website, 
you can f- find all that stuff. Yep. So today though, we want to talk about education uh, and we're a little bit, a little bit too much banter today, probably. Uh, <clears throat> but we want to talk about what education is, you know, today we're, uh, we had kindergarten continuation. We're drawing last night. I had the closing mass for our eighth graders who are going on to high school. Um, excuse me, got a little, you know, something going on in my yeah. throat here. Yeah. We're starting a high school here in South Denver. Um, super excited about that. And we're big believers in classical education. And today we want to talk a little bit about what is education? What's the purpose of it? Uh, and how should parents or any of us, how should we be thinking about what education is? I think it's, it was that, that was probably the biggest learning curve taking the job that I'm in now was learning about classical education. You and I both, you know, public schools. Yeah. I went to my school experience could not be more opposite than the Lord's experience. No, mine, mine too. Right. Like my school was three to 4,000 kids. Um, very, very sports driven. Um, and also like you go to school to get an A, to get into good college and kind of progress. It was always this yeah. progression to eventually get to a job that you have no idea what you actually want to do, but make a lot of money and coming to Lords, um, and learning about classical education, it just absolutely blew my mind. Yeah. And it still is like, I still wrap my head around it but especially, I think it's fascinating, even outside of the more I've learned about where public schools are at now, um, and it's just changed. It seems like it's changed so much since I was in school. But even outside of all the gender issues and, and what schools are teaching, it's more the method. I think even if you had my same experience versus the classical education route now, I would... lean towards sending Gianna to a classical school and and we could dive into like why, but I I just look at it that it's so impressive and it actually, I still think it's hard though to live in the world we're in today. Like when you leave the Lord's community and everything is driven on what you've achieved. Yeah. That makes sense. No, I, I think you're absolutely right. It's, 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 it's a difference between, People assume the ends and they focus on the means. Well said. And we'll, yeah. and we'll talk about that. The One of the analogies I use in marriage prep is um, with the modern world, and a lot of actually even just in marriage prep, with a lot of marriage prep kind of books out there and experts, what they want to do is they want to give you skills. Yep. And the skills, of course, are good. That makes me think of Napoleon Dynamite. You're on a, a quote. Isn't there something? There's a quote in there about like, I got skills. Girls want skills. I don't remember. It's been so long <laughs> since I've seen that. Anyway. Um, so the analogy I'll use in, in marriage prep for some couples is it's kind of like, like a skill. Imagine like a car that drives really fast. Yep. So you've got a car that's really impressive. It can go really fast. But having a car that drives fast doesn't tell you which direction it should go. Totally. And what we've done in the modern world is we have lost confidence that life has meaning. And then, and so what we, what we've decided is there is no purpose. So we're just going to make cars go really fast. But what if, what if you're driving in the wrong direction? Yep. Right. You've met people like this who they have great skills and they use them for all the wrong purposes and they do terrible things with their great skills. Classical education. What it wants to do is, is it wants to say, you know and, and we shouldn't even have to say classical. This is what education should be in general. Education is about making someone a f- complete human being. So we want fast cars. We want you to be smart. We want you to be skilled. But we also want you to know how to use those. Right. You remember the Jurassic Park? When they create dinosaurs, the question. <laughs> this is like read my mind. I do yeah, this. no. Oh, sorry. That's another one. This is a Steph question. I am not the biggest fan of the Jurassic parks. She loves them, but I don't know. So there's well in Jurassic park at the very first one, there's a line where the one guy says, your scientists were so obsessed with whether or not they could create a dinosaur. They never stopped to think about whether or not they should. Nice. And it's a little bit like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you can have great skills and you can be really well like educated in the modern sense where you have technical knowledge 
and you can be a really bad person. You can use those things for really bad ends. Yep. Right. And what, what classical education wants to say is that a human being is much more than that. And if, if education got you to a point where you had all those skills, but you didn't know what life was about and you didn't know the more important things about life, your education was a complete and total dis- failure and disaster. That's right. Yeah. And to use logic and, um, you know, I think you see it, especially from my own experience, which led me down a path of self-destruction and depression, anxiety, all the above. But you just see it with like this skyrocketing numbers and uh, suicides. And I think if you're looking at it, even from the the kid that is so young, trying to get the best grades, then trying to focus on one skill, they want to be a software engineer or whatever. The problem that I see with a lot of like the modern day education is if you ever in your life deviate from the one track you've been on, yeah, you're an absolute <clears throat> fish out of water. Like yep. when I was done playing football, it was like, oh boy, who am I? What do I do? Like I need to pivot yep. and I don't know how to think through this process. I've always been told what to do, how much to do it, blah, 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 blah that you never really start to understand logic and how to think for yourself. And the same was even in school that even as soon as I got out of school, where it wasn't like you go to class to learn the material, to study for the exam, to take the test, to get the A. Yep. And when you start to go through that again, if you ever change a career or any of that stuff, it, instead of being like an exciting time, it's something that you're like gaining in your life it can be a total setback and to the ultimate extreme of like such low depths of depression and loss of a, like self identity um, that I think is fascinating with when I, when we walk around the school now and just seeing the kids that they focus and learn logic, rhetoric, grammar, yep. all these kind of things that encapsulate the whole thing where it doesn't the end, like to what you said earlier, it's not the end game of like, I'm, I'm going to go down to this path and I'm working there. It's like you're developing as a human and whatever you do along the way, that's great. Yeah. But it's more about like building your whole self. Exactly. So there's a great, um, so I went to that A's dinner. Remember? Yep. Yep. With the, the Mulva Hills. Yeah. And there's ACE, if you don't know, ACE is a great organization. It stands for the Alliance for Choice and Education. It's not a faith-based group, but basically they didn't, they didn't interesting video and they said, they said the single greatest civil rights issue of our time is school choice. Cause they talk about how, if, you, if you're born in the wrong zip code, you're just not going to have much opportunities in life. Right. But they were still, I had a critique of the video a little bit in there cause there were still some of these assumptions of modern education. But anyway, but the, the main speaker that night is the president of Hillsdale. And he said kind of what you just said, but he has this great line where he said the problem with the modern education system is it believes that it creates a product. Right. And this, this is, I love this. So, so with your specialization thing, right, you get on that track, you go through college. I felt the same way, by the way. So <clears throat> I did a accounting degree Yep. and you, you get deep enough in. And if you, you hit your junior year and you're like, you know what? Actually, I think I want to do geology, geology, yeah. whatever it is you've gotten so far down that track that you've been, it's hard to, to, to make that change. There's a consequence. There's a price for that. Yeah. A very expensive price. Very for expensive that. price, especially uh, literally you now. Yeah. Um, but this president from Hillsdale college, he said it beautifully, but he, what he's really quoting here is a guy named um, Christopher Dawson, Christopher Dawson, great Catholic historian. He, he understood what education was, but he wrote a book called the crisis in modern education. And it's about this topic. And the architect in, in a lot of ways of modern education was a guy named John Dewey. Dewey Decimal. Dewey Decimal System. Yes. John Dewey. You punk. Yes. I'm trying. Can you tell? I'm trying to clean up my language a little bit on the podcast. I still work on it. Sometimes it it slips. It's hard for me. It's hard for me too. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm like, I'm trying to remember. I'm like. We're good my, for each one other. One of my fifth graders was listening right in there and they're like, Father Brian. Like. <laughs> yeah. But so John, John Dewey, what he thought, and here's what he thought. He thought that, that education produced a product. Yeah. 
and his, and he believed that the purpose of education was to create citizens for the state. So in other words, like America, Hey, you know what? We need factory workers yep. and we need doctors and we need construction workers and we need teachers. And, and so basically the point of education was to produce these things for the state. The problem with that is that people are not a product, right? They're not a product in education. When you reduce it to that, it's, it's if you have another book recommendation is brave new world and in brave new world, Algulus Huxley, amazing book, page turner, super, um, predictive, eerily like prophetic of our time. But what happens in that book is the government conditions people for, to live a certain type of life. And so from the time you're born, the government knows that it needs certain people to be kind of blue collar workers. It needs white collar workers. It needs academia. It needs different things. Yep. And what it does is it conditions you from the time you're a child to be driven into one of these things. Wow. Which is similar to what John Dewey is, is, is saying. Yeah. Do you see the problem in that? Yeah. I mean, if you're ever going to go from white collar to blue collar, you're, what do you do? How do you actually yeah. wrap your head around that? Yeah. You can't make a change, but also I think that the, the deeper point to this is that a human life you know, what, what's the purpose of your life? So what was your, what was your, uh, major in college? I can't remember. Marketing. Okay. Why did you want to major in marketing? I want to do accounting, but the football program told me I was there. Did reminded really? me I was there For to, football. uh, to be an athlete first and oh, then really? academic accounting too hard. Yeah. Well, they said it, it required too much. Um, primarily it was also like the classes were too late in the day. We practiced in the oh, afternoon okay. And outside of class, it would require too much. Okay. There was literally, I think my roommate was an accounting major, but he was recruited between Stanford and CU and okay. chose CU. Jake Barron's Nebraska player of the year, Gatorade player of the year. Um, so when they were in the recruiting process, they told him he could do accounting. Yeah. And then he did, but it was like totally frowned upon was not, not like, you know, I had good grades. It wasn't like okay. I wasn't eligible, but uh, okay, so, let's so I did though, marketing. But you, okay, so you chose marketing. Yeah. So let's leave the accounting piece out. Yeah. Why would you want to study marketing? <sighs> because I wanted to be in the business school to set my, quote unquote, set myself up. And that one seemed fun, but I don't, I don't think I had it. I didn't have any idea what I actually wanted to do. So, so why is, so let me ask this then. So why did you want to be like set up? For, do you mean for success? Oh, yeah. So why did you want to be set up for success? Because what else is life if you don't have a private plane and a house yeah. on the beach and a okay, lot of good. money? So, so why would you want a private plane? To travel to all the best spots <laughs> on <laughs> my own plane. Questions? Yeah. So we used to do that. What I'm getting at here is, so one way to get people to understand this is we, we think that we know the ends we think we know ends, but we actually, we actually miss them frequently. We assume them and we don't think deeply about them. Yeah. So someone says, so I was an accounting major. Someone says, so, <clears throat> so Brian, why do you want, why do you want to major in accounting? Well, cause I want to have a good degree. Why do you want to have a good degree? Cause I want to have a good job. Well, why do you want to have a good job? Well, cause I want to have a family. Yeah. Why do you want to have a family? Well, because that's kind of like one way that I can, you know, eventually what it leads to is at the end of the day, all of the questions at one point are going to end up with, because I want to find happiness. Interesting. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And what classical education does and what, and again, not just classical, what education is meant to be in general is, it's not supposed to be job training. Right. Job training is fine. I have nothing against it. And in fact, I wish I had more, you know, I wish I knew how to do some things that's good, but education was always considered distinct from that, that education didn't just, make you better at a task, it made you a more complete human being. Interesting. Yep. It helped you to grow in maturity and in virtue. It helped you to understand what life was about. And that life wasn't, and this is part of the reason I think that we have all these midlife crises in our society. Totally. Because we think that life is about, I work hard in school, I get a good job, I make a ton of money, I work crazy hours, 
I have a nice house that I'm never at. I have a wife and children I never see. You know, and then you hit, you hit age 45 or whatever, and you're like, why am I doing any of this? That's right. And I think, I mean, that game, the question game you were just playing, you know, why do you want the plane? Why do you want this? I think it's just, you see it all too often. Once you get the plane, that's not good enough. Now yeah. you want the, the next best plane. And you're always on to that next thing in the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. And so, so modern education, the idea is, is about what you do. Education in general, previous to the modern era, was about who you are. And that's a subtle distinction. So you can be a really impressive person and still know how to do things. Right. But where's the emphasis? In the modern world, and I think the reason we did this is because following the Enlightenment period, so the 18th and 19th century philosophical movement that uh, embraced rationality in a very strict way. Uh, in, in other words, I mean, it narrowed rationality. And it said only these things count as rational and excluded a bunch of other things. But that period, when we come out of that period, the world stopped believing that we could actually find meaning in life. And, and this is, and I'm just going to say it right now, talking to Jordan yesterday in my marriage prep meeting, and I, I have a lot of respect for this guy, but I think he, he's a little bit in that camp. He, the way we, we were talking, he was kind of like, you know, whatever you, whatever you want to do, you do you. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I don't want to read too much into what he said, but it felt to me like he was saying, do you do you just don't be a jerk to other people. Yeah. Or me. Yeah. Not me personally, him. Like I hear that all the time of like, I don't really care what you do as long as it doesn't affect me. Yeah. Like go out and live your life. I, I don't, I really, why do I care if you blah, 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 whatever your circumstance is, as long as it doesn't affect me or my family, I don't care. Right. Right. And so <clears throat> it's just interesting talking to him because you see the consequences of this. Yeah. And so what happens is you have all these people who are super well educated on really specific things. Yep. I was just going to ask you this. Yeah. Don't you think? Well, keep going. So well, I think today with the way that we live in the world, it's a lot like Wikipedia. Yeah. You know, a thousand things about random facts of whatever, or and not just random facts, but you know, everything there is to know about law in the United States. Yeah. But you don't understand the philosophy of why justice as a virtue is essential for a human life to actually be what it should be. That's right. But that was going to be my question of, I think you see it. And I look at a lot of like athletes. <laughs> there was a big feud a little while ago between LeBron James and uh, Zolt, Zoltan Ibrahimovic, the like soccer player from uh, oh, I don't Europe. Really follow soccer. Father Jason's yeah. mad somewhere right now. That's right. Um, he's like <clears throat> very, very famous, super high level athlete, like probably worldwide. I don't know if you could say, I don't know who has more famous, like who has more fame, but between LeBron and whatever. Um, but he basically came out and he was like, LeBron, reminder, you play basketball. Shut up. Like came out pretty strong. Because LeBron has been this, like, yeah. LeBron's been really very political. out political, but he speaks on everything. On Does everything he? and everything. He has a okay. comment and people yeah. write it and people listen to him. And... Ibrahimovic was like, dude, you're a basketball player. What do you know? I mean, that's literally all you've done. LeBron didn't even, I don't, he didn't even go to college. Like, and whether or not that's a good merit or not, but I, I do find it interesting. Now you see so many actors, actresses, people coming in and, you know, everyone's trying to like voice their opinion, but they are experts in certain fields, yeah. acting, sports, finance, whatever it is. And I, I guess that's kind of the question for you is like, as you always quote, you know, Baltazar and all these people that right. help me understand. I mean, would you say that they were quote unquote classically trained? Yes. And therefore I also think you probably had a lot less distractions in the world back then. Like they had more time to think, reflect, like kind of build themselves as a person. Therefore, would you say more qualified to talk on the whole yep. more so than where we're at today? Of course. And <clears throat> this is one of the things I wanted to get to today. So the, you know how we talk about when you go to a university today, we talk about the liberal arts. 
And I always thought the liberal arts, I didn't know the distinction that that wasn't, I thought that was just a political word. Yeah. And I was like, where are the conservative arts? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Like, where, where are the conservative arts? <laughs> where, the, where are my Republicans at? Yeah. Yeah. And back then mm. I didn't really care about politics at all. But I just, I didn't, I didn't know that word meant anything different from that. Yeah. So the liberal arts is really the same thing as classical education. <clears throat> and so with the liberal arts, what that means, I love this, this piece of truth to this. And wait, it gets wait, to wait, your question. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You just said the liberal arts is the same thing as classical education. They're these very, they're almost synonymous. Okay. Yeah. But they're on the same track. They have the same basic suppositions behind them of what education is. Okay. The problem is, is the liberal arts at most universities today have been completely corrupted. That's okay. That right. When you said that, I was like, okay, yeah. maybe, but like at Boulder, they're corrupted. Okay. They're absolutely the, the liberal arts at most universities have become tools in the hands of politically liberal people yep. to ram agendas down people's throats. That's right. Which is the opposite okay. of everything they're okay. supposed to be. But classically, so what, what liberal arts means, <clears throat> so it was said in distinction between there is the liberal arts and the servile arts. Okay. And this, and if you're out there listening today, I hope this is helpful for you. Like, and, and I want you to really think about this in your life. There are certain things in your life, both of the, so the liberal arts and the servile arts are both very important. Both of them are. What does, what it meant though so the servile arts, what that means is that it's, it's an art that is at the service of something else. So if you, I think like our friend, Greg Rogers, yep. he is, an, he is a master at a lot of the servile arts. Yeah. And so Greg is a welder among many, many other things. He's an artist. He's a carpenter. Yeah. But, but if you ask someone what, why are you going to weld and back to it, when I was asking you the 20 questions, why do you want to learn how to weld? There's an answer to that question. There's an answer to say, well, so I can fix rail cars. So I can fix, you know, steel beams. And I don't know, you can tell how, how amazing I am at the servile arts. Yeah, right. But, but there's a purpose to it, right? Why do you want to go to carpentry school? So I can frame houses. Yep. And I can make cabinets. And th those are not bad things. Those are really good things. We need more people to do that today. And actually our country would be better off if we had more people learning these trades and these, these what were called the servile arts. So the liberal arts though, what that, that comes from is the Latin word liber, where we get liberty. And what liber means in Latin is it means free. And so the servile arts, it's a skill or a, a discipline of knowledge that serves something else. The liberal arts are free because they don't serve anything else. Interesting. Yeah. And so if you ask someone, right, this is the classical joke from our time. And I thought this way for most of my life, you know, someone gets a degree in poetry and when someone goes to see you and they get a degree in poetry, what's the question everyone asks them? <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, I'm going to take the fifth. i I'm there's not going to, I feel like there's something inappropriate. You that's were yeah. You it, I don't want to, I don't even mean I'm going to get it filter. wrong no matter what. Yeah. Filter. Well, <laughs> yes. I, or like, um, I think the question is what are you going to do with a poetry degree? Right. Yeah. Because we think that education is all servile arts. That's right. It's all about the purpose of education today is what job are you going to have? That's John Dewey. Yes. This is John Dewey. The purpose of education is not a human life that is rich and full and meaningful. The purpose of a human life is that the government has enough people to fill jobs. And that is super broken. And this is why this is one of the many reasons in the modern world that we have forgotten what human, human life is about. And we just work ourselves to death and we hope that money can make us happy, which it never will. Right. The liberal arts, what they did. And so philosophy is a liberal art. And so Plato will talk about this is that, and so will Aristotle philosophy is what it means in Greek is the love of wisdom. Why should you love wisdom? There's no, there's no answer to that. Well, I should love wisdom. Uh, so I can carve things. Right. I feel, I feel like that would you normally you would have asked me 
And you've been like, no, there is no answer to that. And I would have gone down a rabbit hole trying to get it right. I'm so happy you didn't actually set me up there. Okay, keep going. I'm doing very charitable today. Yeah. Yeah. And so so I think with with education and just with our listeners, what I want to say to you is that it feels really good when you learn something practical. Yeah. Right? It's really good. And people say this to priests all the time, too. They say, Father, we want practical things in your homilies. Give us some practicals. And those are good. Practical things are good. Right. And I, I love it. Like Patrick was putting together a dresser, was it? Yeah. How long did it take you? Like three and a half, four hours. Yeah. Now imagine if you that had the... miserable. <laughs> but it'd be really good if you were like really skilled at that and it, you could cut that time in half. Yeah. Right? That'd be yeah. a good thing. Be great. But there are certain things in life that are just ends in and of themselves. Right. There's, there are things I learned in theology or philosophy that just feed my soul and they, they are they are, They make me happy and fulfilled, not for the sake of another different thing. Interesting. Yeah. And I think that, and so this is what the, the, the liberal arts are getting at. And so the liberal arts are things like, or sometimes they're called the humanities because, and the reason they're called the humanities is because they're the things that make us human. So literature and poetry um, and history and theology was the queen of the sciences in the middle ages and still is. But these things, they don't make you a better worker. They make you a better person. They make your life more full. Wow. That is so true though. I am thinking anybody, anybody that when you said that example of poetry, but any of those that you just listed off in, the liberal arts, that would be the natural question that I would ask. Everyone would ask. Yep. It's like, great. What are you going to do with that? You're going to go, then, you're going to go. Literally it was always, the, <laughs> you'd always be like, what are you going to become a high school teacher? Like, yeah. what, what are you going to do with that? Yeah. Yeah. And I still, it's still actually is a legitimate question, by the way. I, I can think of some people in my life that I've asked that to, who I appreciate the degree they were pursuing, but I also knew that they wanted to raise a family. Right. And, and so that's still a legitimate question. Yeah. It's like, Hey brother, I love that you're um, going to study Immanuel Kant. Um, don't love Kant. think he's super dry to read, but it's interesting. His, his ideas are, and if anybody could, would appreciate that, I'm at least one person who would, but there, there we do live in the world still. And so yeah. most people have to get to a place where they need, they have a servile art. The crafts are important. Yeah. One thought on this is, which is really interesting. Do you know how universities started? No. So they, universities were essentially started, came, they came out of the monasteries of medieval Europe. Wow. Really? Yep. And, and what happened there was the, um, think about a monk's life. That sounds like the Disney movie, a bug's life. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be awesome. They should do that one, a, yeah. a monk's life. But anyway, Be way better. what happened in, in medieval Europe was monks don't have the same um, obligations that married people do. And so, and by the way, the New Testament teaches this. I've been talking to a lot of people recently about 1 Corinthians 7, which is where Paul gives his teaching about celibacy. And it's very connected to this, is that if you get married and have kids, that's a beautiful, holy thing. But what it's going to do is it's going to make your life about that. Right. And that's good. But you're not going to be free in the same way where I can sit down. I, I, I have the leisure right now. I'm reading about Blaise Pascal. And I, if we get to it, I'd love to talk to him about him a little bit with this. But um, one of the great gifts of celibacy is I can sit and I sat at my desk yesterday and read for an hour about Blaise Pascal and I can think and pray and be free for these things where you are part of your vocation in your life and your state of life is that you've got a wife and a child. Right. And you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. But the, but the monks anyway, so this is why universities came from monks is because they were free from all the day-to-day concerns of life where they had to make a, a buck to support their family, where they could start to think about what is the meaning of life? And what it, and then really the sciences and all the different disciplines of universities came out of this. It's really fascinating history. Wow, that is crazy. 
out of all the explanations you've heard, do you have a favorite of the answer for what is life about? Or like, what is the meaning of life? If it's not the servile arts, it's not your finance degree to make more money, to become more happy, and then realize you spent more time with your family. Right. Not that I'm biased, but like when you say that, <laughs> I always kind of feel like that's Sorry, like the, the classic, like, you know, what is life? And you're like, it sounds great, but like, what, what would you say? What would you say to that? So I think it, it corresponds to the type of being that we are. So as <clears throat> so I was talking to this couple yesterday about this a little bit, but we're the purpose of a blade of grass is different from a dog. Yeah. Right? Because a, bl- a blade of grass is a different type of being. So, so, f- so the purpose of a blade of grass for its existence is for it to grow. Right. And it provides beauty and I don't know, just a certain splendor to this world. Dogs are a little different, right? Dogs can have emotions. Dogs can have sensation. They have affections. They have different things. They go potty on my blade of grass and ruin my <laughs> blade of grass. That's what they do. Yes. So, so what type of being a thing is, the purpose of their life has to have something to do with what kind of thing they are. So human being, what makes us unique is our intellect and our will. Right? So... Yep. Contrary to popular thought, it's not the opposable thumb, but you know, Mike and you can talk to an anthropologist about that, but our intellect and our will are very different from anything else we are aware of except for angels. And so, so for us, for the type of being I am, I have a mind that is, that it's capable of knowing things and of choosing things. And so the purpose of life is about this type of thing. And so the ultimate fulfillment of life is really love. And this is why, which is, which interesting. Jesus says when they ask the great commandment, he says, uh, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord, your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And you can love with your mind. Yeah. By, by turning your mind to the things that are true and good and beautiful. You, you can love with your mind. You really can. And so I think I think the purpose of life. So you are not made. We all get this, but this is what the, what education is about. None of us were made to be good at something. Right. It's a nice thing to have. Skills are good things, but that's not the purpose of your life. Right. If, if you were not good at football, would your life be meaningless? F- felt that way when I was done, which I think is a crime yeah. of the modern world. Yeah that we teach young people this. That's right. You're not the same thing as your skills or what you can do, right? You, so the ultimate purpose of life, really, what, what Aquinas would say is the contemplation of God. And contemplation, and this, I don't like saying it that trite, but contemplation of God sounds like I'm just sitting in my office thinking all day. Yeah. And that's not what it means. Contemplation does not mean to think, but to see. Yeah. And it means to see with love. So there's the real purpose of life involves a human type of knowledge and love that unites us to the things that matter, which ultimately means God. Interesting. And I I think it's important to also note, like if you are good at something, it's not bad to make money at it, to have wealth, to do any of that stuff. Like that's not it. I just think it's a, for me personally, I feel like, especially after hearing what you said is it's slippery slope when if, if you were defined by something you may be good at or you've trained your entire life yeah. for any of that kind of stuff. I mean, you also, oh, there's so many examples, but say you're a craftsman and you have an accident and you cut off an arm, a limb, whatever. Yeah. And now you're like, you don't know how to think, you don't know how to love, you don't know how to do any of that stuff. You haven't like taught yourself that you literally wake up and you're like, what am I supposed to do now? Yeah. I'm worthless. Well, and you talk about it with the football players. Yeah. Right. When guys in their careers and they hit depression, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, there's crazy stats out there. It's like three years after NFL guys are done playing, something like 80% are one of the three, if not all three, um, clinically depressed, bankrupt, or divorced. Wow. And by the way, the average NFL player <laughs> is like 20. Uh, four years old, something yeah. like that. So you're 25, divorced, bankrupt, and depressed. 
Like, and yeah. they, they've lost a tremendous amount of money. Right. And then people, yeah, it's crazy. And, but that makes sense to me because we're teaching people that you are what you do. That's right. And that's just such a lie. Yeah. I, you know, when I preach about baptisms or at baptisms, this is one of the things I tell people is that our identity, the modern world wants us to put our identity and educate our modern education system does this. Hey, so, you know, you go to a cocktail party and you talk to somebody you say, Hey Ryan, like, so tell me like, who are you? And the first thing people usually answer is they say what their job is. That's right. Yeah. Right. And it would be awkward to say, you know, if you came to me and you're like, Hey, so father Brian, tell me about yourself. And I'm like, I'm a beloved son of God. <laughs> right. That'd be kind of awkward. That's probably not the best cocktail party line. No, but that's, but that's the truth. And so in baptisms, I love talking about this. <laughs> that's that the are, Catholic dating scene, right? That's the Catholic dating <laughs> scene. The Catholic dating scene is like, so tell me like, which, uh, what mansion of God's house do you dwell That's in? right. Yeah. Um, but, there, but there's a truth to this of education has taught us that you are what you do. And that's just not true. That's beneath you. What you do isn't bad. It's important. It's necessary. But you were made for something greater than you. And what you do is less than what you are. What you do is less than what you are. And you're, you're actually created for something that's greater than yourself. And we've abandoned that in the modern world. And so I think this is why one more thing I would say about this is that with classical education, it's popping up all over the country Yeah. right now. And I imagine the world, but I don't know that, but all across the country, you have charter schools who are becoming classical. classical. Yeah. And here's an interesting thing. Classical schools, they always recognize if you push that question far enough and you, and you say, okay, like, you weren't made just for a great job. You were made for more than that. People say, okay, yeah, you're right. I love the weekends. I can't wait to go rock climbing and whitewater rafting and cycling and whatever. Well, you weren't made for pleasure either. There are greater things in this. And the more you push it and you realize, you know what? There are certain things that I'm made for that are just bigger. Things like goodness itself. Yeah. When you push it far enough, it always lands with God. And so I think today, right now, there's this experiment happening, happening where people want to recover education as more than skills and facts. They want wisdom. They want virtue. They want meaning. And they want human beings that don't just know facts. They want, they want complete human beings of their kids. The interesting thing is charter schools can't have an, a, a religious affiliation. Yep. But the, the classical idea and the liberal arts idea ultimately leads to God. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. How do you do that without it? Um, what would you say for someone that is, you know, they've spent years in school, they're a doctor, they're a civil engineer. They're very, very niche, right? Yeah. Uh, toe surgeon, right? They've gone through <laughs> 10 years and that's like, they only specialize on toe operations, but they're starting to kind of re if you, if you hear this, you're like, okay, well, what do I do? Like, do you, is it basically like the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hour rule of like to become an expert or something, you basically should be spending right. double that focusing on truth, beauty, goodness, God, that kind of stuff to like balance that. Yeah. And so I, you should go that direction, but I also would say a cool thing. So again, I've been reading Blaise Pascal, Pascal, brilliant mathematician, physicist, philosopher, theologian. He was, he was a Renaissance man. He could do everything. But in, in the midst of his own, even like his brilliance around mathematics, that pointed him to God. Interesting. And he, what, what happened with him was the more knowledge he, he got, he, he was able, and so many people can't do this for some reason today. He was able to perceive mystery and the fact that as much as he knew and as precise as it was in mathematics itself, there was a mystery that transcended what is knowable by human beings. And so he, he loves to talk about paradoxes and, the, and he, is, he says the greatness of man, the very greatness of man is when he reaches his height and he realizes that he is nothing. That is his greatness is realizing that he is nothing and that that should turn him towards God. And so I think there's a way to do this. I think a lot of it is 
learning how to see the transcendent in the things in front of us. Everything in this world has a touch of God in it. Everything. If you're a specialist right. in toe surgeries, the human body is amazing. I cut my finger last night and I'm like, man, can this thing bleed? <laughs> totally. <laughs> man, it must be God. <laughs> but there are, there's anything you touch, the structures of the universe, the foundations of knowledge of reality are unbelievably mysterious things. Uh, I, it reminds me of, I think a few episodes ago, <sighs> I forget how you said this, but like the greatest demise was the invention of light. Like oh, yeah. lights. I think and it's I, the greatest cause of atheism is the invention of artificial light. So I, I would argue too that like that's also, I mean, because of where we're at, technology has led us to a point where you cut your finger instantly. You're like, oh man, I got to stop the bleeding and I need to get back on Instagram and scroll again with that yeah. finger that I need instead of allowing yourself to go to a place of like, wow, that is crazy. I have this vessel that's cut that connects to my heart that pumps that like you don't you don't have time to to just wonder anymore that's that's very interesting and that's a good closing line for us the classical education has everything to do with awe and wonder wow francis bacon was one of the sir francis bacon francis yeah exactly sir that got you excited it did i just had total deja vu of my servile education and like didn't he sail a boat or something? I don't know. Something. I don't know enough about Francis Bacon, but he's famous. One of these. Sir, one of, it's Sir. Okay, I'm pretty sure it's Sir, sir Francis sir Bacon. Francis. Damn it. <laughs> we can fight about this later. One, one of the things I love about Sir Francis Bacon, but he's famous for one, one thing he's famous for among many is th- this idea that knowledge is, the purpose is about mastery over the created world and manipulating it to control it which is the opposite of the Catholic idea of education, which is instead of us becoming masters, it's us becoming small and being in awe and wonder of the amazing universe we live in. It's not about us controlling and manipulating things. It's about us discovering things that are good and true. And I think when you do that, it changes education. I think this is why our eighth graders are happy, by the way. Not just because yeah. I graduated, but I mean, legitimately, our, our eighth graders aren't perfect, but I'm blown away. When I, when I see our eighth graders, I'm like, no one's like this in eighth grade. Right. I mean, you guys are still little punks. Yeah. Love you all. But you're way happier than eighth graders. 100%. Eighth graders are not supposed to be like you. That's right. And I think it's because we haven't just been training them that life's about mastery and domination and manipulation. That we, we teach them that the world is a beautiful, mysterious place. It's full of truth and goodness and knowledge. And behind it all stands a God who loves you and is out for your good. Two closing thoughts for me. One, if anybody has a passion for getting teachers paid more like I do, I would love to figure that out. I just want to give that shout out. Please reach out to us because I would love to get our teachers. It's criminal. Um, Two is uh, I think I was on a call this morning with the foundation um, trying to get money for the school. And it was, they asked, they're like, how did COVID, you know, like what were the ramifications of COVID? How did it affect you guys? Blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, you know, I think the biggest hurdle we had in the beginning, like very, very, very beginning was in the classical sense. And you're talking about like oh, the happiness of our kids. I think the biggest hurdle was for this virtual concept. Like we don't, we literally don't have technology in the school. <laughs> We have like one or two TVs that are like 20 years old that we have to like yeah. wheel upstairs and are 300 pounds. And that was like a real curveball when on the opposite end of that, I have friends, especially in California, that have their like preschool and kindergartners on Zoom calls for four hours a day. And they're sending me videos of like, dude, this is absolute chaos. Like, what are we yeah. doing? This is ridiculous. But they right. have to be there. It's It's so interesting to just kind of see that and then to like, just look post during COVID and where we're at now, these kids just walking around, you see something different. And I think that's what makes it so tough for me now trying to just wrap my head around. Like if, if you ask me the elevator pitch, we always joke about this, but elevator pitch on classical education, it's like, you just got to see it. Like you just have to come, just come look at the school and you'll know, you'll notice it. You may not be able to like put words on it, but it is pretty fascinating. Yeah. And God, God did not create you to do something. He created you to be someone. Yeah. He did not create you to do something. 
He created you to be someone. And I, I love that. So we got to go. Um, thanks everybody for, for tuning in. Uh, send us your questions, rant at lordsdenver.org. Comments. Like us on all the podcast platforms. Yep. And hopefully this helps you talk to your friends about uh, the mystery of life and the goodness that is present in Jesus Christ. Uh, and uh, we'll see you next time. Amen.